Chapter 19. The New Part. In the swoof, the dragon computer is free. I find Miss Bliny. She is on tiptoe. Roll of masking tape clamped in her teeth. She's trying to flatten a new poster to the wall. The poster wants to curl up. She uses both elbows, one shoulder. She tears a strip of tape. It floats back into her hair. Sticks. She says, mmm, mmm, mmm. Then she says, oh, drop the tape. She leans out to watch it roll over my foot. Then pop. The poster snaps up like a window shade, hits her in the nose. Her eyes close tight. Then she laughs a big laugh. I dry my sweaty hands, pick up the tape, and help Miss Bliny. We get that poster on the wall right. She says, here's to teamwork. She shakes my he hand. Miss Bliny does not seem to mind my sweat. Neither, neither does Matt Drinker's dog, Mooney. He kind of likes sweat. I ask Miss Bliny, is it okay if I talk now? I mean, write? If I talk out my writing? Or write out my talking? On the dragon? She says. Yep. Clear schedule. I have figured out the best way for me to talk to the dragon. I take two tissues, tuck one under each earphone so I don't sweat those up. Then I stack my fists into two potatoes on the desk in front of me. I rest my forehead on them. Helps me to shut off from the rest of the swoof. I can guess that I'm a strange thing to see. Mammoth kid, face on the desk, talking away, tissue ears. But the swoof is a safe place. Say something to tease somebody and Miss Bliny will send you out. Today, I get a slow start. But then I tell this to the dragon. Okay, um, well, I've been waiting to say it, but there's a new part of my story now, and that is Calvin Chumsky. He has come over to my house. I mean, inside, inside the crumple down. Three days now. We're friends. Heard him say it to his parents. So the way we got to be friends is this. Calvin came to my house. The first day was all by accident because of some chasing. The second day was not as much by accident, but still because of chasing. The third day, well, he came over on purpose. That was a day the lacrosse kids stayed, stayed to use the school field. Back seats of the bus were empty, so all quiet at the cluster stop. And Calvin walked home with me anyway. He just wanted to, with me. The earphone pops off one ear, makes me jump out of my sweaty skin. I look behind me. There she is again, Annalisetta Yang. She says, hi, what are you writing today, Mason? She pats one of her backward hands on my shoulder, holds on to the crocodile with her other. She says, Look like it looks like it's going great on the dragon, huh, Mason? Look at all your writing. She swirls one arm. I nod. I see a tissue waving by my eye. It is still stuck on the side of my head. I peel it off, use it to mop up. I tell Annalisetta, works pretty well for me, talking to the dragon. This kind of writing sorts it out for me. I guess I do have a story to... Anna Lissetta laughs out loud, pointing at the computer screen. She says, Mason, you're still typing. I say, darn. Then the word goes up on the screen. Big letter D there. I tell the dragon to stop listening. Push the headset away from me. 
Anna Lissetta tilts her chin up. She has a sort of ha 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 kind of laugh. She gets that going. She's on and on about it. Miss Bliney looks up from her desk. She says there. She says, hey there, Anna Lissetta. She smiles with her big teeth. Anna Lissetta shows little teeth back at her. The crooked smile. Miss Bliney says, how about you give Mason some space while he's at the dragon? Miss Bliney closes one eye at Anna Lissetta like she is saying, you already know this. Anna Lissetta makes a circle mouth. She says, oh, 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 sure. Sorry I interrupted you, Mason. She gives me another pat on the back. Then she shakes her hand. She says, boy, you sure are a sweater. I think this. Better I am a sweater than a gross out. Funny thing how Anna Lissetta Yang just says what she says. She won't waste time at finding words that are not the ones she is thinking. She uses the ones that come right up front. Miss Bliney says, Anna Lissetta, you're welcome to come back for the dragon later. You have fifth period free, right? Will that work? Anna Lissetta says, yep, okay, I get it. Privacy, privacy, privacy. She rocks her head while she says it. Then she cranks the crocodile around and heads out the door. Then I can't see her. But my brain makes a picture. She is scooting down the hall. Pretty fast. Tell you what, my brain is probably right about that. Chapter 20. Applesauce. The apple hits the side of the crumple down. Bursts into pieces. Two more come. I holler to Calvin, duck, run, and there we go skittering close behind the house. This is how it goes. Every day, except weekends and Wednesdays, when there is after school across. I'm sick of it. Calvin, too. The next apple loops in. Another rides the wind by our ears. Calvin says, aerodynamic apples. Who knew? Tell you what. Matt Drinker and Lance Pearson do not get tired of it. Calvin says it's because they have two targets now. I think this. Two targets again. I remember. They used to get at Benny and me up in the tree fort. Get us stuck up there like a couple of pigeons. Calvin and I run. Dash around the corner. Get onto the front porch. We crouch low behind the old stuffed armchair. Calvin fits. Me. Not so much. I hug my knees. I hear Matt Drinker calling. Oh, butthead, got some apple saucy for ya. Come and get it. Then he says, you too, fetus face. Calvin rolls his eyes at me. Not so fond of the nickname. He stands up and hollers, meaty head Matt. He ducks down again, tucks both fists under his chin while more apples rain in. Calvin tells me, I love this fat chair. Nice fortress. I tell him, used to be indoors. Saw a mouse come out of the stuffing one day. Uncle Drum had me move it out here. We wait. No apples flying. I stick my head out for a look. No Matt, no Lance, but there is Corey McSpirit coming up the hill. He looks all around. He calls out, Matt, Lance. Hey, are we going to play? Come on, guys. He pops a lacrosse ball straight up in the air, traps it back in the basket of his stick, swishes left and right, 
Then, don't you know, Matt's dog, Mooney, comes up behind Corey, tail wagging, body wiggling, nose sniffing. Corey calls again. Hey, guys, where are you? I wonder the same thing. Calvin pokes one finger into, into a hole in the chair cover. He whispers, here, mousy, mousy. No mouse comes. But Mooney does. He bounds onto the porch, into the chair. He bounces in circles, blur of black and white. He leaps over the back, finds me, Calvin, too. Calvin says, uh-oh. I pop up tall. Big shower of apples slam the porch. I see Matt and Lance behind the trees, reloading. Three at a time. They swing back to fire again. Matt will shoot right where his own dog is standing. It's how he is. Apples spatter across the deck boards. Mooney jumps and twists. He would catch the apples, eat the pieces, but they are coming in too hard, too fast. Poor dog. He ducks behind my legs. I say, this is it, Calvin. We gotta get inside. Dog too, I holler. Go. Calvin moves, slips his skinny self out from behind the chair. His shoes slap down on the old porch plank. He dives on the doorknob and turns it. He's in. Then Mooney. Then me. I hear Matt Drinker holler, Hey, that's my dog, Buttle. I slam the door. Mooney turns himself around and round on the old carpet inside the crumple down. He stops on his elbows, wags, shows eye whites. He circles again, makes us laugh. Best dog ever. Shailene marches out of the room that used to be my room, goes right to the door, same one I just slammed. She hauls it open. She steps onto the porch and screams, That's right! Beat it, you little jerks! Beat it! Then I know Matt and Lance and Corey must be running away. Then, even louder, Shailene roars, Quit disturbing the peace! She slams the door hard. Harder than I did. Mooney freezes. One paw held in the air. Looks at Shailene. She hops on one foot, kicks apple chunks off her boot, slams her feet. She says, Mason, do not bring those bad boys to the door like that. My window is right there. I say, you think I asked them to come, Shailene? Calvin says, you sent engraved invitations, as I recall. He looks at Shailene. He didn't. You do understand that, right? I say, yeah, I even told them to aim where Shailene is. She loves smashed apples, is what I said. Uncle Drum laughs in the indoor armchair. Just quiet. Shailene keeps crabbing. She says, by the way, I tried to open that window to speak to them, but it's stuck. Again. She gives Uncle Drum the stink eye. Like that will make him fix it. He's sitting way deep in the soft chair, but he hangs his arm over the side clicks his fingers to call Mooney over for a pat. Shailene huffs. She says, I'm only asking for a little fresh air. I say, the fresh air is outside, Shailene. It is no wisecrack. True thing. I say, trouble is, you're always in the house, except for just now when you went out there to holler. Shailene says, speaking of in the house, I see you let that rambunctious dog in again. I say, yeah, well, you got eyes then. She says, drum, do you even hear what he's saying to me? My uncle doesn't blink. 
He rubs Mooney's ears. Shailene grunts. Ugh. She stomps away, back to the room that used to be mine. Mooney scarfs up the apple pieces Shailene brought in on her feet. He's the kind of dog who eats like he hasn't seen food for days, and will never see any again. But I know he's got a whole good bin full of kibble at his own house. Yellow dog chips for snacks, too. I know I should take him home. I'll not just put him outside, because, tell you what, Swaggertown Road is right out front, and that's not a safe place for dogs. I figure he can stay a while. He has before. I clap once. I say, come on, boy. He heads up the stairs, turns around at the top, and sits. He waits for Calvin and me, tail wagging so hard it swats of the dust up off, up off the floor. I laugh and tell Calvin, look at that dog. Broom for the Buttle House. Chapter 21. Brambles and Loppers. So the good part is Calvin is here, and Mooney is too. The bad part is we are kind of stuck in the room upstairs again. Calvin pokes around on his tablet. I sit by the window with my arm around Mooney Drinker. Scratch him under the chin. When I stop, he bumps my hand for more. I love that. Calvin calls the upstairs room our vantage point. From the window, we can see into the drinker's yard. It is the way the shape of the land works. We are high up. It's a double hill. First is a short hill. Kind of grows off the back of the crumple down, right close to the back of our house. This window looks down on that. Mess of brambles and thorns because Uncle Drum quit mowing it years ago. Next is the long hill where I rode the sled across the rows of apple trees and into the drinker's basement that time. Calvin says, are they playing yet? Sometimes he doesn't look up from the tablet. I check the yard. I say, won't be long. They have Corey McSpirit today. He always gets it going. Calvin says, yeah, lacrosse is probably his favorite thing about Matt and Lance. Corey is in it for the game. That's all we are waiting for. When they get a good game going down there, they don't care a crumb about chasing Calvin and me. I watch and wait. I do some thinking about the old fort tree. I have an ache to be making a plan and hammering on boards again, like I did with Benny. We made our own place to be. Outside, sky and leaves over our heads. Well, I saw that the yellow police tape is down. Finally. Maybe Lieutenant Baird would say I could go back there now, but not so sure I want to. Truth is, I stood pretty close one day, looking at the place where the ladder used to be, and then at the grass below. It was the lieutenant who took the ladder away, back when Benny died. He told me it's part of his puzzle. Something about the way the rungs snapped gets me in the gut, because I just think, missing ladder. Missing Benny. Sometimes I think it. I could build another one. Start new. But it puts a fly in my head thinking that I could do something wrong. Build a bad ladder again. And I'm not so sure Calvin would like a treehouse. Been in the orchard with him plenty. I pull myself up into the trees. Just some. But Calvin stays below. He doesn't say, but I know. He's not a climber. I look out down the hill. I nudge Calvin and say, 
Lacrosse game. They're playing. Come on. Calvin packs up the tablet. I clap for Mooney to follow. We are out the door, heading to the back of the crumple down. There's a pretty good spot right between the short hill and the long hill. Calvin calls it the dip, and it is one, a low spot, close behind our house. We get down there, got Mooney hopping around, running little circles, and looking for something to pick up in his mouth. He finds an apple, drops it at my feet. I roll it like a bowling ball, and he chases it. The whole time, Calvin faces the short hill, right close at the back of the crumple down. He likes to measure things with his eyes. I know he's thinking something. He says, hey, Mason, what's with the way the hill is cut there? How come it drops off so flat, like a wall? And what's behind the brambles? That's a lot of questions. I try to think what to answer. It's a bit mixed up in my brain. Calvin knows. He says, oh, sorry, just wondering out loud. He steps up to the wall of thorns and brambles. He's curious about it. Same way he is for chimneys and laundry chutes. He studies it up with his eyes. Mooney comes back with the apple, drops it. He stands behind, beside Calvin, sniffs along the ground. He picks up a paw. He scratches at the hill. I look at Calvin. Calvin looks at me. Then Calvin sticks his skinny hand right in there between the thorns. He's careful about it. I hear taps, a sound like wood under Calvin's little knuckles, then a rattle like metal. He says, whoa, this is a door, Mason. I just found a latch. I say, holy cow. I turn to run. Calvin calls, wait, where are you going? I call back. I say, going to get loppers, cut the thorns so we can get in there. All the way to the shed, I hope like heck I can find them. Trouble is our shed is a mess, but good luck comes. I do find the loppers, hanging up, a little bit rusty, but I think they will still cut. When I get back, Calvin is grinning. He says, Mason, I have an idea. He wants me to cut through the brambles all around the door edge, side and top, but not the side with the hinges on it. He says, when we open the door, it will be like a blanket of thorns swinging with it. I say, camouflage. Calvin nods his big, his big nod. Nobody will ever know. I like this idea. I hold my elbows high. I stick the tip of the loppers into the pricker canes, cut along like I'm using giant scissors. Tell you what, tougher than I thought. The canes are thick. The loppers are lousy. Keep getting them stuck. Calvin tells me how great I'm doing, but all I can think is, wrong tool for the job. I stop to wipe sweat, then go at it again. I turn the loppers this way, that way. Tell you what, this is giving me blisters. I try to think what would work better. Pruners, maybe? We have an orchard, so we sure have pruners, somewhere. But even if I find them, it will be tons of snipping. Bare hands in the thorns, one cane at a time, we'll be here forever. And Calvin has to be home before dark, in time for supper. That's the rule. And then I think of it. I have a handsaw. My own. Uncle Drum bought that for me for my 10th birthday, right before Benny and I started to build the treehouse. And I was sure I used it plenty. But there's trouble about that handsaw. 
Last I looked for it, I was trying to help the lieutenant with his puzzle. I couldn't find it, not anywhere, and now I can't think when I had that, that last. And maybe it would be better for this job anyway. Might snag on the canes, but don't you know it? I can't get that out of my head. So here I go again, up to the shed. Calvin comes with me, Mooney drinker too. We search, high and low, up and down, the workbench two times over. When I pull out the rakes and shovels, flower pots and rusty tomato cages, Mooney puts his nose in every corner, tail wagging now and then. Like he has found a new friend in every spider web. Calvin and I laugh, but we don't find that handsaw. I tell Calvin, stuff goes missing is all. That's how it is around my house. So we head back to the dip in the hills. I see that the sun is sinking. I pick up the hand-eating loppers again, set to work. Calvin is a lookout, goes to the spot where he can see down to the drinker's yard. Mooney has a lie down in the grass. He doesn't go far from me. It's not long before Calvin comes back, running in those tan sandy shoes. He says, that's it. The game is breaking up, Mason, and I have to get home. I say, but I almost got this. I clamp the loppers down on the canes. I say, I stay at it. I want to pull on that door so bad. Calvin gives me about one more minute. Then he says, you really better stop. What if they come looking for Mooney? And don't you know, the dog looks up when he hears his name. Head on a tilt. I say, darn. I drop the loppers. I turn around to look at Calvin. And there I see Matt Drinker standing right behind my new best friend. I walk forward, is what I do, big, long strides. Calvin looks confused, but then he makes huge eyes like he knows, and both of us wonder this. What has Matt Drinker seen? Matt has Mooney's leash, twirls that in one hand. The dog stands up, wags a tiny wag, licks his lips. He walks around behind my legs, sits. I say, hey, Matt, hi. He gives me a plain face back. Not that mean, but not that nice. He says, I came to get my dog. I say, oh, right. Well, I was about to bring him down to you. That is a true thing. If Mooney comes over, I take him back to the drinkers, always around supper time. I say, but we were just finishing up this chore down here. Had a chore for my Uncle Drum. That is not a true thing. Calvin gives me a sly eye. Funny thing, it is all lost on Matt. He just reaches around me, clips Mooney to the leash. And then, then, the part I hate. He yanks him and hauls him. And I know, because I have seen, he will do that to the dog all the way home. Doesn't need to, but he does. I say it to Calvin. I say, I wish he wouldn't do that. I know he doesn't mean anything by it, but man, I don't like that. Calvin is giving me a funny look, like I must have that wrong. But he doesn't say, and it's time for him to go. And we're glad we are not caught trying to open a secret door. I say, tomorrow. Tomorrow we get through and we open that door. Calvin shows me a thumbs up.